everyone, and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm chatting with Dr. Samira Hodges and Dr. Anna Paul, two board-certified pediatricians currently practicing in Houston, Texas, as well as the owners of The Pedi Pals, a small company dedicated to educating parents and caregivers about raising healthy and well-balanced children. Samira and Anna trained together for residency at Texas A&M, Baylor Scott, and White Hospital in Temple, Texas, where Samira was Anna's upper-level resident. They became instant friends and decided to practice medicine together upon moving to Houston in 2016. Samira has won multiple teaching and achievement awards throughout her career and originally moved from Canada to the United States during medical school. Her husband is also a physician and they have two young daughters. Anna was chief resident, is originally from India, but moved to the United States as a young child and is accomplished baker and loves to travel. Their new podcast, The Well Child, is available as of December 21st, 2020, so be sure to check them out. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Samira and Dr. Anna about stress in children. It may seem like children's lives are pretty simple and they couldn't possibly know about or experience stress, but actually that's untrue. Pressures on children come from a number of sources. It could be from within the child themselves, from parents, teachers, or friends. These pressures could be from events of lasting consequences like divorce of their parents or merely a minor hassle like going to time out, losing a toy, or being grounded. Especially in 2020, children are going through more changes and challenges than ever before, which means more stress. So what can we parents do to help our kids manage their stress? The PD Pals, Dr. Samira and Dr. Anna are answering our questions. Welcome Dr. Samira and Dr. Anna. Hello, Dr. Samira and Dr. Anna. Thank you both for joining me today on our podcast, Chick Chat. Hi. Thank you so much. Hello. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. Well, as you all know, 2020 has been a difficult year for all of us, including our children. We've seen children become more stressed and even more depressed. And of course, all that we want to do as their parents is help and take that stress away. But let's start at the beginning. I'd love to learn from both of you. What are the physical signs of stress in children? Well, Nina, it's it's kind of one of those things where we see it all the time. And especially, you know, what Anna and I do as pediatricians. But whenever kids show stress, and when you say kids, I'm, I'm thinking more of like school-age children, but this can hold true for toddlers as well as teenagers, you'll notice some changes in kind of their sleep patterns that sometimes a physical sign or they start changing their eating patterns. They eat more or less than they typically would. But what we notice more than always is that like headaches and belly aches and those kind of non-specific aches and pains, those are really big signs of physical stress. And as pediatricians, you know, oftentimes parents bring their kids for us to see them and they'll be complaining of headaches and abdominal pain or, or belly aches. And we usually do our due diligence and make sure that those are not signs of something going on and that needs to be addressed medically. But a lot of times at the end of the day, we end up finding out that those are signs of stress in kids. And so stress, just like adults in kids, can show itself in a variety of different ways. No two people show stress in the exact same way. And so a lot of times the same person can feel stressed, but then sometimes, you know, they'll have an ache and pain here or other times they'll have an ache and pain somewhere else. It just kind of depends on the person. We've also noticed a lot of times that people who are under stress get sick more, so kids are no exception. 
And sometimes they'll often regress also in where they are. So you can you might notice some new onset bedwetting or, you know, if it's like a five or six year old, suddenly they start doing baby talk. So those are some of the physical signs of stress that we notice. And as pediatricians, we've seen a lot more of that actually in 2020. I can imagine. That's for sure. And I'm, I'm definitely going to want to ask you what parents should do once they start recognizing those signs later. But on top of those physical signs, I'd love to learn what are the emotional symptoms of stress in children? Yes, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Before I mention some of the emotional signs that we typically see as pediatricians, like doctors. Sammy just mentioned, your stress, as we see in adults, is often a type of response our body has to some type of stressor. It can be really any stressor. And, you know, back in the days, we used to see this fight or flight response, you know, where you notice your body senses a particular stress, your your brain releases a hormone, and then it, you know, signals another hormone, and then it initiates our adrenal glands to uh, secrete something called adrenaline or cortisol. So this is all very technical, but I have a point, I promise. <laughs> so a lot of times when we have higher levels of adrenaline and cortisol in our body, our body naturally gets ready to do that fight or flight response and to kind of head on manage that stress, whatever stressor that it's seeing. So naturally our blood pressure goes up, our heart rate goes up, our blood glucose levels go up. All of this is happening in our body and it creates an emotional response as well. So naturally, you'll see children get more anxious. They'll be more restless. A lot of times, they'll be very irritable and clingy. And this is all coming from a physiological response in their body in response to the stressor, whatever that may be. A lot of times, we'll see kids have more temper tantrums. They'll get very emotional and overreact to things that you think are very minor. But to them, it's an emotional response to whatever stressor they're feeling. We tend to see kids get aggressive. Some children get aggressive and more stubborn. Others might get more removed. They might withdraw. They might not want to participate in activities that they enjoyed before, seeing their friends, spending time with their family. So if you see that kind of social isolation, that withdrawal, that's another sign. That could be another response, an emotional response. Another big one that we see is losing focus and motivation. A lot of your listeners have probably noticed a lot of higher rates of ADHD and focusing difficulty in children. And sometimes ADHD can even be misdiagnosed and it could actually be stemming from increased stress, anxiety. And so children tend to lose focus and lose motivation in school. And that's another big emotional sign that could be from the stress. A lot of times children might have more mood swings. They might have recurring fear where they mention to parents about these fears that they're feeling over and over again. And then some children feel embarrassment or shame. Um, and some of these might be very illogical or not reasonable to us, but it's very real to the children. And all of these emotional responses can feel very real and debilitating. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That just breaks my heart hearing that. Oh, like these poor children, they're learning how to cope and deal with the world. And they're just, you know, little things to us that's big for them because it's all new. So I can only imagine. 
That actually reminded me too, you know, we talked about all of these signs, but I've seen a lot of kids get more ticks, you know, motor ticks, like uh, eye blinking or throat clearing. That's something we see very often. So they, they have that under stress. And I can even say, you know, a story kind of confidentially trying not to, I mean, break confidentiality, but I had a patient not too long ago, a little girl who was experiencing signs of a bladder infection. So she just felt like she had to go all the time and she had that urgency to go. And we did every test under the sun and everything ended up being okay. And we ended up, you know, kind of concluding at the end that it was just stress. So it can present itself in any way almost. Yeah, I totally agree. I see a lot of constipation, a lot of accidents, you know, children that never had bedwetting accidents or other accidents, they seem to regress and have more of those. So definitely stress can do a number on our body, you know. For sure. And we all respond to stress. I mean, even as adults, so differently. So, I mean, it definitely is the same way for our children. But it's even some of the things that you're listing, I'm like, yeah, I, I sometimes experience irritability, all these other things that are normal or stress, but, you know, we don't think about children also being stressed out typically. But like I said, I feel like this year more than ever. And, and like you said, Dr. Samira, that you've seen more of it in 2020. I can only imagine. I would like to learn what the common stressors are for kids, but I also want to know what you do at that point once you do recognize it's stress. So, so if you can first explain to me what you typically see in your office with your patients, what are some of the common stressors for kids? You know, it same as adults, it can vary, but we notice a lot of stressors for kids kind of stemming around school, you know, their friends, especially at certain ages. I usually tell my parents and, you know, our patients' parents that you're the biggest influence in a child's life up until about the age of 10 or 11. And then after that, their friends start to become the biggest influence. So they become very friend-centric and that can cause them a lot of stress. And if you talk to any 11-year-old, it's funny, but they'll tell you exactly the same thing. Almost like any mom of a newborn will tell you like they're super tired. Any 11-year-old is going to tell you that they don't have a best friend. And it's so funny because they're all walking around thinking they don't have best friends, but they all feel the exact same way. So somehow they feel like everybody else has a best friend except me, but then they all end up feeling like they don't have a best friend. And parental stress will also be a stressor for kids. So oftentimes we don't we don't realize it as parents that we are super stressed, but they pick up on it and it causes them stress too. Anything from a divorce to turmoil in the house, bullying, peer pressure, not wanting to disappoint their parents, if the family's having financial difficulty, all that stuff can cause stress for children. But I have to say, if I had to pick one thing, (laughs) and I think this will be a recurring theme in our little discussion today, it would be social media and screen time. That's probably the first and foremost, most important thing right now, especially in 2020, since we've all had to regress to be more indoors and then trying to entertain ourselves. And kids have had a lot more screen time than, than usual. And that's become one of the biggest stressors. So Anna and I always say, you know, the world is scary out there, but the world is even scarier in there, like in the screen. Gosh, I I totally agree with that. And you're right. We're in front of the screens more than ever, especially moms who are now having to do homeschooling. I mean, it's, it's, and they're probably stressed out trying to do that with their kids. It's not helping anyone. So that just breaks my heart. Yeah. The other thing that 
I was just thinking about is that, you know, children are, they're such little sponges, you know, from the age that they're born and growing. And so a lot of times, you know, we, as we, as parents and adults, we're trying to hold it together and we don't necessarily realize that our stress is visible too, you know, and it's natural. I mean, parents and everyone is going through such a hard time, especially this year. And so that's another, you know, a lot of times children can feel the stress that everyone in the family is having, you know? So a lot of times when I'm talking to my patients about my parents, about their kids, you can just feel that it's throughout the household. Everyone is feeling more stressed. So it definitely does permeate in that household. Yeah. I can even add on a personal note, I have a seven-year-old and she, maybe a year or two ago, I asked her, what's wrong? And she said, I'm stressed out. And I mean, I was like, what? <laughs> where'd, you even, where'd you even learn that word, you know? And I was like, why are you stressed? And why are you stressed out? What could you possibly have to be stressed out about? You're six years old, you know? And that's the wrong attitude, by the way, because in her world, those are still big problems. But she said, well, you know, we have to be out the door for school at this time. And I still have five things to do. And, you know, the first thing I thought to myself is, where'd she even learn that? Did it come from myself or my husband? Did she hear us say it? Did she hear it on TV? Or, you know, is it just so prevalent nowadays that they just pick up on it? And I've spent the last year trying to undo that feeling. <laughs> so I think, as Anna was saying, it's it's very real. And, and we do definitely rub off on our kids a lot. I agree. I agree. I was going to say, I mean, I have a three-year-old and whenever I get stressed about work or about just anything, relationships or my pregnancy, and I'm just saying, oh, I'm just over it. I'm stressed. I notice that it totally even rubs off on him, even at three. And I see more tantrums and meltdowns and stubbornness and all of that. But he's a very strong-willed child. So that's how he would respond to that sort of thing. So whereas you said another child might leave the situation and probably hermit themselves a little bit more, you just never know how they respond to that. But it's so true. They really do absorb everything that we're feeling as well. So it's, and that breaks my heart because I'm like, no, you don't need to take this on. (laughs) It's true. And at the same time, you know, we're also all about not putting more pressure on parents, you know, and the the act of not being stressed around your kids can be stressful. (laughs) So it's okay. (laughs) You know, we're all human. So you don't have to be perfect all the time. You don't have to go hide in a closet and eat a chocolate bar just to get a minute to yourself. It's okay to be real. But I think part of the big thing, and we'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure as, as you ask us more questions too, but is more to have the conversation just like we're having now to be open and let it out and not keep it in. And the biggest, I think the biggest point is just recognition, you know, talking about this and discussing this, it's good because it brings it to light. And so now when you are stressed out, you can kind of be cognizant of how your body language is and how you're feeling. Awareness is such a huge part of all of this, and you're not going to be able to hold it together all the time, like Dr. Samira said, but that's okay. You know, just awareness of it is, is a huge step. 
Yeah. Aren't kids so great at making us feel guilty too? Mine will, <laughs> <laughs> mine will look at me and say, mommy, are you okay? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> what does my face look like right now? <laughs> True. Mom guilt is a real thing. That is for sure. Oh my goodness. But I mean, now that we know, okay, we've recognized it. We need to communicate it. You guys have gone through the physical signs, emotional symptoms. That's super helpful. So f- from that point, what are your tips to help kids alleviate and manage their stress as their parents? Like what are things that we parents can do to help? Mm-hmm. And this is this is a big topic. We could talk probably for hours about this, you know, but there are <laughs> there's so many things you can do. But I think the key is not to add more on to parents and busy working parents, you know, just kind of breaking it down into little tidbits of information. Uh, that's our goal. You know, as the PD pals, we just want to try to help break it down so we can use little little techniques daily to make a difference. And I think number one for me is just recognizing it, paying attention to your children. You know, I think the biggest part is recognizing when they do things, how they do things, how they respond to certain things. I think just listening and paying attention, that's number one, because that's the only way you can even address anything. Number two, I think the biggest thing is to make sure that children feel safe. This is uncertain times. And even even if it wasn't 2020, children often feel, you know, when they get stressed is when they have some type of uncertainty or insecurity, you know, and the biggest thing I think parents can do is, you know, reassure them that regardless of the troubles and the difficulties that they are safe and that they're loved and that you're doing the best that you can for them. And that really goes far, I think. That sense of security is really what kids need. Number three in my mind, I think would be communication, like Dr. Samira already alluded to. Communication is is pretty big. A lot of times, if you think about kind of how we communicate to each other, you know, when a friend asks us, how are we doing? You know, we usually have like four things we say. We're feeling okay. We're feeling great not so great, you know? So our emotional vocabulary is kind of limited if you think about it, you know? And so I think it's important to kind of verbalize how you're feeling and also let children tell you how they're feeling, you know? And not to interrupt, not to let them feel judged because they're just not going to open up if they feel that way. So I think the biggest thing is to let them practice saying, do they feel sad? Do they feel confused? Do they feel scared? Are they upset? You know, if they can actually tell you how they're feeling, then that's a big step in in targeting that and making them feel better. So that's really, really important is communication. Next, I think would be just spending quality time with the family. That sense of security, that feeling of comfort, I think comes with planning fun activities, you know, doing daily dinners, you know, without the phones, as we mentioned, screens are huge and it's really affecting all of us negatively. So having that dedicated time with family or a game night or a fun weekly movie night or sport night, that's really important because it kind of grounds children back to their comfort level and it reduces a lot of anxiety. So doing a fun activity, I think is always important. And even if it's not daily, because everyone is busy, you know, once in a while setting that time. 
Another big point I think would be figuring out coping mechanisms. When you are stressed, how we handle that stress. So some children might want to do more outdoor activities. I think going outside, exercising, that's a big pillar of health. Good nutrition, good exercise, and good sleep. I think those are the key. And you know, some children, when they get stressed, they might want to draw or paint or listen to music, arts and crafts, you know, not being afraid to let them be creative and create something, make something, get outside. I think those are all ways to really reduce, reduce stress. Yeah. Having an outlet and everyone's outlet is different, but what brings you joy, you know, that's really the best way and self-care will, will reduce anyone's stress. Absolutely. And I, and I love that you're saying basically get back to the basics of scheduling like a family date time to just do something together, no phones, communicate and allow them to say like, it's okay to have feelings. Like it's okay to be angry and sad or frustrated and let them allow them to process that and feel it and not feel ashamed. So I love all of these points that, that you're saying. And I know that another thing that you guys have talked about in the past, which is like an entirely new, it could be its own podcast, but meditation, is that something, another thing that you would recommend? Totally. Yeah. So we're, you know, just like you said, we're just unroofing that <laughs> that particular <laughs> topic. So it's a whole Pandora's box in there, but absolutely, because that in and of itself teaches kids a really important concept. And it's basically to go within and find calm within. And so it starts with learning how to take deep breaths, but meditation has been shown to, to have so many positive side effects for anyone that is able to do it. And it also does the same thing for children. So if you're able to, you know, spend that very little time with your kids to start to teach them how to focus on their breath, it reduces anxiety, it reduces the risk of depression, it has all kinds of mental health benefits, and includes really great stress management skills. So absolutely. And I can personally say both me and Dr. Samir kind of discovered meditation kind of simultaneously, you know, and so since, you know, we started practicing it, we noticed such major benefits, um, just a few minutes, you know, five, 10 minutes for us. And we realized that with children, it's very hard to keep them still for, you know, <laughs> for even a minute or two. And so, you know, it's something that you develop. It's something that you work up to, like she, like she mentioned, but even just starting with that one minute a day, you know, a lot of people I think will incorporate this like at nighttime, you know, when we're getting ready for bed, there's prayer times, there's pause times, there's reading time. That's a great time just to add on a minute or two of pause and breathing, like Dr. Samira said, because it can really, really show lots of good medical benefits. Yeah. I can also add from a practical standpoint, for example, anyone who has more than one child will also know that you have to change your parenting style for the children, which can be really challenging. Every time you have a, an, another child, you feel like you're a first-time parent all over again because you didn't just copy and paste the previous version. So now you have this whole other new child that has new personality and new things that makes them tick. So you have to change your approach with how you handle them. And so my, you know, seven-year-old who yeah, I've already brought up before, the way that we do 
quote unquote meditation together is a little different with how I do with my older daughter, but with her, we just go through the five senses. So what can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel? What can you smell? What can you taste right now? And that's what we go through and, and we do it. And she really likes it because it's tangible and it's something that she feels she can do. And that, and, and then I remind her anytime you feel stressed out, remember this, you know, and, and just close your eyes and what can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel? What can you taste? What can you smell? And, you know, that kind of takes your attention off of the thing that was causing you a lot of stress. It grounds you for a second. It brings perspective to the situation. And then it helps you move forward after that. I love that. That's such a great tip for parents because I think I was just going to ask you, do you both, do you have any resources? Because Im- immediately when I think about it for moms, I think of like Headspace and Calm, like all of these apps that can really help parents who are unfamiliar with, with meditation or how to do it. And it can be difficult at first because your mind wanders and it's really something that you have to, it's like a muscle that you have to practice and, and it, you get stronger each time. So with children, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can only imagine how difficult that is. So that is such a wonderful tip. Do you have any other recommendations or resources for something like that since there are so many benefits? Well, ourselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you can imagine, the the this is this is just getting traction in the adult world. So, with the pediatric world, it's it's even a little bit more behind. So, it is a little bit tough. I mean, the Calm app is good, and there's definitely other apps, but we're definitely that's something that PD Pals is really passionate about. So, you're welcome to come to our website, and we will kind of show you where to go. We've written quite a few articles about this. Oh, that's wonderful. That and because I was going to say, I feel like I've only only heard about it a little bit because actually one of my dear friends, her husband is a PE coach, but he actually is a certified yoga teacher and he makes them all do meditation every day whenever they go to PE. And he says he has seen a dramatic, like drastic improvements in all of the children with attention and patience and kindness and schoolwork. And I just, it was, it was amazing. So, so that's really cool that you guys are talking more about that on, on your site, the PD Pals. I just wanted to add also that it gets overwhelming because when we started meditating too, there's so many different ways and there's so many different experts. And I usually just tell my families not to really focus on that. Do something that you can do consistently, whatever that is, you know, whether that's turning on an app and just breathing, just focusing on the breath. A lot of schools and some psychologists have also incorporated things like walking meditation for the younger kids because They have a hard time sitting still, but we'll definitely share some of our favorite websites and apps that we like to use and some resources for children. But, you know, just starting with the basics and not thinking too much about it, but just focusing on the breath or, or listening to light music. I think that can go just a long way too, and not getting so bogged down by the technique at first, you know? I totally agree. Yeah. Start with one minute a day and then, you know, build from that and also have low expectations. I remember I was talking to my sister-in-law about this and she has a one and a half year old and a five year old. And she was like, I don't even have a routine. Everything's just chaos. And I said, that's okay. (laughs) You have a toddler. (laughs) It is so normal to be in chaos mode. So don't worry, you know, just do what you can. It does not have to be super consistent right now, but build on it, you know, do what you can and just slowly go from there. And as they get older, this does become slightly easier as well. 
I love that. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for those helpful tips on, because I was going to say, whenever I think of stress, I immediately, I actually, with my three-year-old, whenever he gets worked up, I immediately hold him and I just say big, deep breaths and we breathe really slow together and just little things like that to calm them down and help with that stress. But I mean, you both have said some wonderful tips. So that's a really great place for us parents to start. But when it gets a little bit more serious, when should a parent seek professional help and what does that look like? Yeah, I love that question. That's also really, you know, that's a, it's also a little bit of a tough question to answer, but the most relatable way I could answer that would be, number one, trust your mommy slash daddy gut. You know, if you feel something's not right, you know, trust that. And then the other, you know, real easy way to remember it is if it's interfering with your quality of life. So everyone gets stressed out. It doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. All kids have stress levels. Um, You know, they all have a little bit of anxiety or perhaps some mood swings or whatnot. But if it's getting in the way of your day-to-day life and activities and you're not able to do your day-to-day life and your activities, then that's when you want to seek professional help. Now, I will say, Dr. Anna and I, we just encourage our patients' parents to come to us with anything. So if you have a concern, just tell us and then we'll let you know if you need to have professional help or not. We'd rather know about it. But I think the easiest way to remember, if it's getting in the way of your quality of life or you just have that mommy gut that something's not right. I totally agree with that too. And I think there's just a few little red flags that maybe I tell families about. Like if it's, you know, if you see children are not sleeping well, they're not eating right, they have major appetite fluctuations. Like Dr. Samira said, if it's affecting their school and their home life, all those things where it's making big impacts, I think looking out for a few of those red flags will help you know when to ask for that help. Yeah, those are great points that Dr. Anna just brought up because those points that she brought up are actually symptoms of depression, not only in adults, but also in kids. So changes in appetite or changes in sleep habits, or maybe they're not as interested in what they used to be. And you don't really think about that. You know, you don't think when your kids have changes in the way that they used to do things that necessarily they might have some stress or anxiety or depression. And we will ask those questions when they come into our clinic. And everyone's always surprised because they answer the questions really honestly. And then when we bring it up to their attention, we'll say, you know, well, all of these questions were actually screening to see how you're doing inside. And it seems like you're not doing so well. And everyone's always surprised, not only the kids, but the parents too, because they didn't really realize that those were really subtle signs of something deeper going on. That's so true. Wow. And and that's when I would encourage, obviously, like you said, being a pe- pediatricians, with any questions or concerns, contact your pediatrician, but especially if your mommy gut, daddy gut is telling you something and you're wanting some professional help to reach out to you so that you can kind of lead them in the right direction of, you know, the correct professional that can help with, with whatever it is that their child is experiencing. Exactly. Exactly right. Awesome. Okay, ladies, any final thoughts or tips that you'd like to share with our listeners today? You've already shared like a gold mine of information, but is there anything else that is just really important to you or any other tips that we left off? Well, I would like to say 2020 has been really hard on everybody. So, you know, I think a lot of us as, as parents were just probably 
second guessing a lot of what we've done this last year. And I would encourage everyone not to worry about it (laughs) because we've all done the best that we can. There was no chapter in the Raising Children Handbook on how to handle a pandemic. So everyone did what they could do. And the best is to be forgiving of ourselves and just do the best we can to keep moving forward and hope that we'll have some good days ahead. But this wasn't easy, you know, changes in The way that we used to do our routine, uh, kids being pulled out of school, remote learning, having to learn all these new things, job losses, health scares, you name it, right? Everyone's been through so much trauma. I think the main thing that I would really like parents to remember after this episode is, you know, when you see something different with your child, don't hesitate to ask them if something's going on. It's okay to ask. It's okay to open the conversation up. And if you talk to your pediatrician, if you have a concern, because a lot of the time stress is not the first thing parents will think of when their children are acting differently or maybe have more complaints, more abdominal pain or headaches. But if the if the pediatrician says they think it's stress, I'd believe them. It very well might be. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that in this time, giving ourselves a break is really, really important. Just the fact that your listeners are tuning in to an episode about stress and management in children, I mean, that shows a lot. It shows that they're recognizing that this is a problem or they're open to tools on on new ways and resources to help. And that's just huge, you know, just being open to the information, trusting your healthcare providers and your pediatricians, and taking a little bit of burden off of yourself. You know, I think the biggest thing is to be kind to yourself, to really focus on gratitude. I think that's one big thing that I stress. It's something so simple and it's something we really don't do. And we're big on that, you know, talking about gratitude, talking about all the things we do have, and it's supposed to really help reduce stress and anxiety. And so that's really an important practice to practice with your children. So I think the biggest thing is to be kind, like Dr. Samira said, to not get overwhelmed, to trust the professionals and to trust your gut. And remember the pillars of health. You know, it's important for kids to sleep well. It's important for them to eat well. All of us being stuck indoors, we're a little guilty of probably more indulgences than we usually have been allowing ourselves get outside. Kids need to be outside. If they can, if you have the opportunity, let them get that vitamin D, let them get that exercise. So, you know, make sure you are focusing on all those things as well. And don't forget about the screen times. (laughs) That's big. So true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Anna, Dr. Samira. This was just fantastic. For our listeners that want to learn more about you, can you just tell us a little bit? I mean, I did do an intro about y'all, but can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what people can find from you and where they can find you? Sure. Yes. So we are available on social media. We're learning. Uh, We're new to this. And the main reason that we were very passionate about starting the PD Pals was just because we would have these conversations like the one we just had with you, you know, with each other. We would talk about all the things that we want to talk to parents and families about that we just don't have enough time in the office. You know, we get 10, 15 minutes, if that, with families. And there's so many things to cover. And there's so much information 
out there, you know, that might be not validated, you know, through uh, science and resources. And so we just wanted to do our part to be a resource for families and to have these more in-depth conversations. And so that's why we were so passionate about starting the PD Pals. But we are available on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we also have a website, thepdpals.com, where you can send us your questions and read our blog posts and uh, some of our articles. Yeah, and our handle is at the PD Pals on social media. And we're actually about to launch our own podcast soon. I think like five days. Yeah, the podcast will be called The Well Child. And uh, we're going to touch on all types of topics from potty training to constipation to stress and anxiety and teenagers. We just had a podcast actually with an infectious disease expert where we talked about COVID specifically for kids. So we're going to be touching on a lot of topics there too. Fantastic. Yes. When this launches, it will be available, y'all. So you can go check Yay. out The Well Child. So that will be awesome. Thank well, you fantastic. So much. Yes. Thank you again for chatting with us today, Dr. Samira, Dr. Anna. You have given us some amazing advice on what to look for and what we can do to help our children manage their stress. So thank you again for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there to learn more about the PD Pals, visit them on Instagram at the PD Pals, the P-E-D-I-P-A-L-S, as well as their website, www.thepdpals.com. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions about stress in children or have stories of your own, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts podcast and leave us an honest review. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you have a happy, healthy, and less stressful day.